0: allegedly to where you can actually go off and do your own thing this is the voice of reason with andy Hoosier. here we are back at it ready to rock and roll for a whole nother day a whole nother week it is a monday the greatest day of the entire week welcome into the voice of reason i am andy hoosier broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in wichita kansas on our flagship radio station, we are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen, we love you, appreciate you very, very much here for another day, ready to rock and roll. Boy, do we have a, lo- a show lined up for you today. we got a lot to talk about. <clears throat> Word to the wise, don't drink a big gulp of water right before you go on the radio either. Hold on. I'm seeing... Okay, social media, not quite up yet. We'll get that up momentarily with OpsLens, but we are on the app and the website. So welcome in, guys. Great to have you along today as we start off the new week. Bottom of the hour, a little bit different on the show today. Lori Garver, she is a former deputy administrator for NASA. We'll talk about her latest book. We'll talk about what she's been doing. And her, her latest book is called Escaping Gravity, My Quest to Transform NASA and Launch a New Space Age. As she talks about women in NASA, women in the new space race and the new venture, the last frontier, the uncharted frontier of space. And, you know, we like having that conversation. So we'll do that coming up at the bottom of the hour. We have student loans. The debate continues. I found an interesting piece from CNBC on the economy and those living paycheck to paycheck. We'll get to that as well. And progressives, your values are starting to backfire and your social uh, experiment in society is starting to implode. We'll get to all that and more coming up on the show. Hope you had a great weekend. I had a good weekend. I do. I wouldn't say great. It was good. It was busy. I got a lot done. But And I told this story on my local program Saturday morning. Friday night when I got home, I had a bit of an experience, and I'm still a bit traumatized by it. I need to kind of recenter a little bit, refocus, just rezone for a second, do a meditation, because I am still a bit shooken up at what happened Friday night. I almost died. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I almost died. I, I'm telling you, it was very traumatizing, and I'm still going to have to go to a therapist to probably work through it. So, my, so I got home. We have our garden in the front yard and in the backyard. And Mrs. Voice of Reason, little Voice of Reason, they've been pretty sick lately. They've been coughing, sneezing, not feeling good, swollen throat. You know all that whole jazz. Not doing well. It's either you know a cold because it's fall time, or it's COVID, and they're going to die here in the next week. I I don't know which one yet. <laughs> Not quite sure which one it is yet, but I got home, and because they were sick, I have been going out at night when I get home to water the garden to make sure everything's taken care of before I wrap it up for the night and go to bed and that sort of thing. So I've been handling it. Honey, don't worry about it. You just take care of yourself, and I will take care of the garden. Well, I found that there's actually a really good way to take care of the garden and the yard because being in Kansas here, it has been extremely dry this year. I just turn on the sprinkler and let it hit the garden and the yard all at the same time. And I'll just go out there about every 15 to 20 minutes and bounce around and uh, take care of the garden. So that way everything's covered and I don't flood the area, but I can at least get everything wet and get a good, nice drink of water. Well, I was doing it throughout the night and I had moved the sprinkler to the backyard At the very end, it was just about done. The sun was about down. It was dusk. It was starting to get dark. It's a beautiful time with the sunset. And I stepped outside barefoot because why the hell not? I like feeling the grass on my feet and to go outside, ground for a minute, just kind of recalibrate, look up at the stars as they're starting to come out. Beautiful time of night. I go out there. I step off of our front porch, right around the corner onto the front yard where the grass starts. And we have a... A wall of bricks where we have the grass in the yard, and then we have the garden bed. And right there, as I step down, I don't notice until I actually step my foot down, not two inches away from my foot is a snake. Now, now... I would like to reiterate for some of you that may not be aware, that may be new to this program, is that I don't have a lot of fears, don't have a lot of phobias. I grew up in Colorado. I don't mind bears. I don't mind mountain lions. I can deal with that stuff. I'm all about camping and surviving in that type of wilderness. I am all about it, which I'll get to in a second. There's one phobia in the entire world that I have. The only singular fear that I have in this entire world are snakes. That's it. I don't care about spiders. I don't care about, again, bears or mountain lions that are way bigger that can maul me at any instant. I'm not afraid of those. You make some noise, you clank around, you, you know, scare them off. They're just fine. As long as you don't, you know, come into the bear cubs and mama bears around, then you're going to be just fine. Not a big deal. Snakes. I don't care how big or small they are. I am petrified. I cannot walk into the reptilian exhibit of the zoo with the snakes around. I can't do it. I have this massophobia. I swear that I died from a snake bite in a past life. I know <laughs> I know that I have. I don't know where this phobia comes from, but I've always had it. Maybe I got it from my parents because my mom was the same way. I was terrified of it. I, I do not like snakes. I have been terrified of snakes my entire life. I stepped down off of the deck barefoot and not two inches away is a snake, which I would say is maybe about a foot, foot and a half long, relatively skinny. And it was dark, so I don't know necessarily the color of it other than it was dark, maybe a black or a brown-ish with streaks on it that were, I think, yellow. All I saw was it slightly move, and if I could have screamed, I would have screamed like a little 12-year-old girl. I was unable to scream because it shocked me and surprised me, for one, and then my paranoia kicked in, and I ran across the yard barefoot, not breathing, I had to get up the Gusto to get close enough around the other side of the garden bed to turn off the water faucet. And then I jumped like I'm in the Olympics. I jumped over the bed onto the top of the deck and rushed inside. It took me a while to come down from that one. So I almost died this weekend. Thanks for caring and thanks for actually your condolences and and your concern. I almost died, which leads me to this weekend. We're programming note for you. I will be off on Thursday and Friday as I am taking a couple of days. My first vacation of the entire year, I'm taking two days off on Thursday and Friday. It is Mrs. Voice of Reason, and I's 10-year wedding anniversary. Actually, technically it's September 7th, so it's next week on the 7th, but I am excited because I'm finally taking some time off and we can get out for a little bit. Now, what we're doing is something that I swore I would never do, but we're glamping. We are camping in style. To me, I have made fun of those that go with RVs or with electricity because why bring the city to the woods when the whole point is to get away from civilization? To me, you're not camping unless you are hiking two miles up in the mountain with whatever you can fit in your backpack and you can haul up there and then it is in complete survival mode and if you break an ankle two miles up into the mountains where I grew up in Colorado then you're kind of SOL and a bear will probably eat you and you're done for so it's kind of the survival of the fittest thing that to me is camping anything underneath that or anything beyond that is glamping with style well we're going to a place where we're going to go and go glamp it's it's an Airbnb and it's a tent so it is camping-ish but it's a tent with style. It has electricity. It has a bed. It has a refrigerator. It has some minimal lights, I think. Um, but then it's like a wooden deck that's built onto the tent, and then you walk out onto the, the deck, and there's a river right there, and you got the fire pit to cook your food, and everything's cool. So it's still camping, but it's camping in style. And I swore I would never do that, but it's nice and relaxing for the little for Mrs. Voice of Reason and I, and we're going to do that for about two or three days, Thursday through Saturday. Come back on Sunday nice little weekend she wants to go kayaking maybe we'll go kayaking as well with the river that's right there I don't know but now after my experience and my run with this snake that about killed me on Friday night I'm wondering if I need to bring and this is a request and, and suggestions that you can email me who's your media network at gmail.com you can send me the suggestions do I take the handgun the 45 caliber handgun or do I take the scatter 12 gauge shotgun to carry out with me in the woods in case I see a snake down by the river? Because if I see one, again, I'm going to be sleeping in the vehicle that's about a half a mile away. (laughs) I don't care. I'm not doing it. I cannot be around the snakes. So now that's stuck in the back of my head. I'm kind of paranoid now. The beauty of uh, hiking up in the mountains was that you were at such a high altitude, you didn't have snakes around you. You didn't have to worry about that. You just had to worry about bears, mountain lions, and you know, rock slides and that sort of thing. You don't have to or alien abductions. I guess you could worry about those too. I don't care. I would take all of that over living right down by the river where there's a bunch of snakes. So I'm sure there are snakes where we're going. And now I'm concerned, do I take the forty five caliber handgun or do I take my twelve gauge shotgun and just had the scatter to make sure I get whatever's within the vicinity? Your thoughts, you can email me, at gmail.com. Uh, I love it. That's, that's where my plans are. That's my plans for the next couple of days. So you can expect to have me off on Thursday and on Friday. I got to give kudos. And real quickly, a shout out to a guy who passed away. Don't know him personally, obviously. No one knew this guy personally. But according to the BBC, there is a guy called the Man of the Hole down in Brazil. He was the last of a tribe that was not supposed to be in contact with anybody. No one knew it. Some indigenous tribe that he was the last one of the entire tribe that apparently just passed away. He had lived on his own for the last 26 years all by himself. And the government had deemed that there was supposed to be no contact with this individual because they were one of the last few indigenous tribes that did not want to be with civilization, apparently very mean or very gruesome or whatever. But he had lived by himself for 26 years. Apparently some individuals found him sleeping in his hammock that he had passed away near his hut. And he is officially gone. That indigenous tribe is officially all done. And while I'm planning to going out to go camping-ish glamping, I was thinking of this guy as I saw that headline over the weekend of, wow, what would it truly be like to live as the last of your indigenous tribe all by yourself with no modern amenities in any way, shape, or form? I mean, last weekend, or last, what was it, Friday, I was complaining about cell phone bills because we have to upgrade to the 5G, and after you pay off your cell phone, then it starts acting up to where you have to get a new cell phone plan, and that really angers me. I almost want to go back and live as the indigenous individuals with no contact from society. That way, we also wouldn't have to deal with individuals like Joe Biden. <laughs> so, hat tip to this guy and the fact that he lived all by him his lonesome and he is officially passed away. Uh thoughts and prayers to you, my friend, and condolences even though you have no clue who the hell I am because you don't know what a radio is. Nonetheless, we got a lot to talk about today. We have I guess this is news. It's not news. This is really stupid, but I guess thanks for attempting in our latest on what's trending. What's trending today? I'll tease this for a second because I've wasted most of the time talking about my personal story of the day. But according to Newsmax.com, House Republicans have signed a letter to send to Nancy Pelosi, a Speaker of the House, with 94 Republicans asking her to reject Joe Biden's student loan plan. (laughs) That's hilarious. I mean, I guess you can send her the letter. It's not going to do any good. you really think Nancy Pelosi is going to be like, oh, thanks, Republicans. I have taken your note in consideration, and I have approved that we're going to not bail out student loan individuals, not bail out banks, and not spend trillions of dollars at the federal government level, so that way you guys can have your campaign platform. Thank you. But no, thanks. I mean, it's a political stunt. We know that she's going to sign off on it. We know that she's going to push Democrats to vote for it and for it to go through and sit on the president's desk here relatively soon. Um, But yeah, I don't think it's here's the thing. I don't think it's going to go through. And with the conversation we had on Friday, which we'll get to in a second when we come back from the break, I think it could be stopped in court. But with the Republicans trying to tell Nancy Pelosi to not accept this bill on student loan forgiveness, that is cute. Why waste the breath other than say, well, we sent the letter to do our due diligence? I would say let's hold our breath, and let's not hold our breath. Let's save our ink, and let's actually go on the campaign trail and talk about how devastating and how stupid it is to do student loan forgiveness uh, at all. But Republicans feel like they have to look like they've done something, and to them doing something is signing a letter to send to Nancy Pelosi to say, hey— um, Can you not do what the Democrats have platform, the Democrat platform says, and what you guys have been trying to do? Can you not do that? That'd be great. Thanks. And if that's all the huevos that these Republicans have to try and stop it is just send a nice little asking Nancy Pelosi to not sign off on it, then you got a lot coming that you're not aware of because we are in a bloodbath of a battle for the campaigns in November and we need to stand up and have a little bit stronger of a backbone to just ask nicely for the Democrat-Liberal speaker to not do Democrat-Liberal things. The
1: Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
0: Bring some reason into your day. This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. By the way, thank you for all the messages coming in about the snake. Appreciate all the concern. (laughs) Had a listener on the uh, Podbean audio feed say, Andy, no, don't talk about snakes. That's my biggest phobia as well. Thank you. So I'm not the only one. Thank you. Got an email as well. Andy, don't worry about it. 45 will be plenty to take care of the snake. Other one on the Ops Lens video feed, 45 with snake shot shells or shotgun with the small shot shells. I'm just going to take both, and I will have them on me at all times. I'm also going to set up certain claymores around the camping site to make sure if anything even comes close. I mean, I, I just don't care. I don't care. I will have uh, movement sensory bombs going off that I will dig into the yard to make sure. We sprayed, apparently, for snakes around the house, and you'll see how well that worked. I just don't care, man, not taking any risk, especially when you step right next to one barefoot. Ugh. All right, back to the student loan thing here. I have a theory, and this theory was brought up on Friday on the program with our guest with Phil Kirpin from American Commitment. And he's absolutely right, and I'm glad he mentioned it, is that I don't know that we're even going to see the student loan uh, repayment or student loan forgiveness program actually take effect, and I'm honestly glad that it's going to. But here's the thing, and here's everything's political. Remember, everything's political. You can't just have common sense. You can't just work together. You can't just do what's right or what's normal or what's rational. It all has to go through a political lens. And this is why Democrats are doing this right now. They know this is going to be a battle. Because it's not necessarily going through Congress the way it should be. There's no bill that Congress wrote. Remember the ones that actually write bills that legislate. And then they went through the Supreme Court to approve its constitutional and then signed by the President of the United States to enforce it as the executive branch. We're not going through this process. According to those that made the announcement last week from the Biden administration, they say that Congress already handed off the duty and the power to allow the Department of Education themselves to actually write this bill and send it to the president for him to sign as an executive order, per se, kind of thing. When that's not the case. Now they're using... The laws of during a time of emergency and disaster, which they try to say during an economic disaster, well, you created the economic disaster, both if you're trying to say it's through COVID-19 or if it's through just the fact that you have a 9% inflation rate that's destroying individuals living paycheck to paycheck and can't afford their regular bills. I get trying to quote-unquote help somebody, this doesn't help anybody. And doing it the way that you're doing through this fourth branch of the bureaucratic agencies is unconstitutional. We literally just had a ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court back in June, the same time that we reversed Roe v. Wade and brought the abortion issue down to the statewide level. They also signed off on another issue against the Environmental Protection Agency, saying specifically that the fourth branch of government— Meaning all these bureaucratic agencies and departments, the Department of Health and Human Services, the Department of the Environmental Protection Agency, the Department of Education, the Department of Labor, the Department of this, the Department of that, all all of them in a purist mentality are unconstitutional because the Founding Fathers never intended Congress to not do their damn job but just to pawn it off to an agency that's going to consume massive amounts of tax money and regulate the hell out of people every single day. And the Supreme Court decision that came back in June said, ruled against the Environmental Protection Agency saying that they do not have the authority to decide on massive amounts of regulation and spend massive amounts of tax money without very specific congressional approval. So that's why they're trying to punt this bill that the Department of Education wrote for student loan forgiveness into Congress to have them approve it to make sure everything's kosher before it goes to The president. Well, the House, of course, is going to do it, even though the 90-some-odd Republicans wrote the bill to Nancy Pelosi saying, please don't do this. It's going to go through there. I don't know if it's going to go through the Senate. That's where we have to focus our attentions. But for them just to try and sign it through the Department of Education, send it to the president and sign, that's going to be shot down as unconstitutional because we literally just said a couple of months ago, you're not allowed to do that through these agencies. You have to have Congress, you know, with the power of the purse, the House of Representatives specifically, to approve off on these things, to spend close to a trillion dollars and wipe away debt. And I use that in air quotes from individuals for us to be consumed into inflation and to higher taxes and for you that didn't have a student loan to now pay on the debt of america that was done by people with student loans i don't think it's going to go through and i'm kind of happy and i'm okay with that voice of reason with andy hoosier
1: When Reason Meets Radio.
0: You're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John right you are. Welcome back into the program. Halfway through on the home stretch already. Golly, it goes by way too fast. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, multiple radio stations all over the place. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Monday, getting you set for another week. Can you believe it? We are almost at the end of August already. Golly, this year has flown right on by. You can always find us on our social media at Hoosier Reason. That's H-O-O-S-E-R. Also the website at HoosierReason.com. Go and check us out there. Also our many different outlets where you can find the podcast, The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any of your favorite podcasting sites and radio stations, TV stations, all that stuff. All right, I want to get into, let's shift gears a little bit here. We'll get back to the economy. We'll get back into the student loan forgiveness. Also the latest, are you living paycheck to paycheck? We'll get into all that here in just a minute. But as you know, before I got into politics... I was in high school, middle school, I had always, always wanted to, before I realized how easy, I guess, or I guess just angering or whatever easy it was to debate, I had grown up my entire childhood wanting to go into physics, go into astronomy, and work for NASA. That was my goal. I was going to work for NASA and be the team to help you get people to the moon and to Mars and beyond. The unsettled territory, the last pilgrimage that was the new venture of the new space age and that was my goal that's what i wanted to do and then i got into high school and i took a government class and i'm like wow arguing politics is way easier (laughs) than learning all that physics so we're just going to talk to people that were able to do it so let's get into what's trending what's trending today as i'm really honored and happy to have on the program here she is the former deputy administrator for nasa she's also author of the new book escaping gravity my quest to transform nasa and launch a new space age really excited to have on here lori garver with us here lori how are you today
1: I'm doing great, Andy. How are you today?
0: I am great. I appreciate you coming on the show. As I mentioned, I, I am envious because I should have probably just stuck to the books a little bit harder, and I could have worked for NASA, but heck no, I decided to get into radio and politics instead.
1: <laughs> well, that is so interesting because, uh, as I say in the book, as much as rocket science is harder than political science, political science has held us back more than uh, gravity.
0: I think so. I mean, political science is a cesspool because it doesn't allow any advancement in anything, which I mean, there is so many. I mean, obviously, we like different ideas and people having different opinions and that's great. But at the end of the day, we really are our own obstacle because something like this, which I which is why I love NASA. I love the space race. I love what Elon Musk is doing with his space, uh, SpaceX and everything with this venture, because this isn't it shouldn't be at least shouldn't be political It's about the advancement of humanity and learning about the universe around us. And that should be a humanized, uniform, unified vision, shouldn't it?
1: Absolutely. And I guess I would argue that is why we have a NASA. Obviously, we were formed during the Cold War to show our might and beat the Russians and prove democracies were better for advancing uh, societies. But we definitely should be um, able to do technically than we have been because the politics has held us back it's not partisan Mm. most of these disagreements are parochial um rather than partisan
0: that is interesting talk about your story and that's what this book is about you know trying to get women involved in this issue why it's been such a battle and why the politics have kind of hindered things but talk about your story and how you got involved with nasa
1: Well, I've had a wonderful 35-year career in um, aerospace world, two times working directly at NASA, once in the 1990s, and then again from 2008 to 2013. I came in and led the transition team for President-elect Obama and then served as the deputy of NASA. My story really is about how we are advancing in space and doing it in a way that is opening up the frontier. I was early, an early adopter of the efforts to commercialize the kinds of things that NASA had been doing for decades and allow companies to lower the cost so that NASA could do the harder thing. And um, that was pretty controversial in the early days, as you might imagine. Mm,
0: yeah, I can imagine. Why is it so difficult for I think politicians in general, I mean, I know we I know we defunded NASA for a while and uh, put it just in the private sector, which, I mean, I'm a conservative, I'm all about private markets and free enterprise doing the things in the private sector. But NASA is one of those where I think we should be investing a lot of time and money and energy to try and do this exploration. Why did we end up defunding that? And what is the battle in D.C., in your opinion, on why there's always this block to allow NASA to do things?
1: Well, let me set the record straight. NASA's never been defunded. No one has ever proposed defunding mm. NASA. It's okay. got a $25 billion a year budget. Um, the Obama budgets also were requesting increases. Congress cuts two to three percent of the budget usually from the president. But I've been bipartisan and I feel like there's never been a president who doesn't want the best for the space agency well and and it just shows how hard the other side was trying to fight because the message that you received we were defunding it was clearly what they were saying when (laughs) what we were trying to do was to allow the private sector to do the launches so that nasa could go further Mm. and they didn't want to give that up so the bush administration canceled the shuttle program after the second accident when the Obama team came in, we didn't have a choice. It was flying out, and that there was no way to extend it, and they were going to count on the Russians to launch our astronauts. But NASA continued to have a $20 billion budget and continued to try, um, certainly in addition to robotics, to do human spaceflight on the space station. We were able to get enough money to run a competition that is now allowing SpaceX to transport the astronauts for a fraction of the cost that NASA used to do it for. Sure. So that's a good thing. It doesn't mean NASA was defunded. <laughs> it yeah. meant maybe some of those cost-plus contractors who just like, you know, having their member of Congress support their jobs. And not, that wasn't really helping the country. You know, we need a competitive industry, which we have now. The U.S. is absolutely a leader in space. And don't let either either side tell you that they're more pro space than
0: the other frankly yeah that is good news that is good news that we're like you said working in tandem to make things cost effective efficient and we can actually advance this so we're talking with Lori garver author of the book escaping gravity you can find her online at lauriegarver.com where are we now do you think with some of the advancements i heard the news a couple weeks ago that with our tension right now with russia that russia is going to cut off on the international space station go off on their own do we need to create our own international space station now or what's the future look like for some of the space advancements here?
1: Well, we have a really bright future, I think, for space stations, but I do believe it should be accelerated. There are three um, teams, companies that have proposed, and NASA is funding to follow on the International Space Station with space stations that will allow NASA, sort of like they are for transportation, sort of only pay for the part they're using and have us be able to do other things on the space stations as well. The Russians. That again is a rumor. At one moment, um, the former, he's since been fired, head of the Russian space agency, said they were going to leave the space station, but of course they're not. Um, it would be ter- it it is terrible, frankly, that we need them on the space station, which is why I believe we should really be uh, helping to fund these follow-ons. But just today, we had a test flight of the new big rocket, the Monster Rocket, which I have not been as supportive of because, again, I think the private sector could do it much better. But this rocket didn't launch today. It's what is eventually, hopefully, going to take people back to the moon.
0: That would be nice. Uh, That was going to be my next question is we went to the moon early on. We obviously won the space race on that front. Why has it taken us so long to put people back on the moon again?
1: Well, as I outlined in the book, we really did it because we were in a race. And when you design a program for a race, you don't really design it for sustainability. You know, it was a brute force thing, and NASA did it brilliantly. But that meant, okay, well, now what? Because that was much too expensive to keep those programs. So actually, you don't hear this very often, but I'll say it. Uh, Nixon had it right. His next goal for NASA was to lower the cost of space transportation. And that was the right goal. But... NASA wasn't able to do that with the space shuttle. It kept, it was so expensive and risky that it isn't until now that we are, through companies like SpaceX, able to lower the cost. That then is the infrastructure, you know, the roads and the trucks, if you will. Yeah. And now we get to do the destinations again.
0: That's amazing. Now, with this uh, working in tandem with NASA and with SpaceX, are you confident in Elon Musk's plan to try and put a civilization on Mars here in the next few years?
1: Well, as lots of us have said, we don't bet against uh, SpaceX in (laughs) general. They deliver, but it is uh, usually not on the time frame, they say. So it might take a little longer, and I do happen to believe it will still be a NASA-led mission. I think that will be and should be done in partnership Um, With the private sector and other countries as well, because it is such a huge, momentous undertaking and over really the whole benefit of what we do from space is advancing technology, opening the sphere, helping our economy and our global leadership. Sure. So you know, we we as a society have a lot of issues. NASA does a lot of things to help us with those as well. Um, but human spaceflight continues to be us uh, that beacon on the hill.
0: We're dominating it, Lori. We got about thirty seconds before we have to take our hard break and let you go here. But I gotta ask you. You can laugh at me all you want, but is there evidence of the UFOs and of the ETs out there as we continue to advance our technology to find stuff out there?
1: If there. They did not tell the deputy administrator
0: of NASA. <laughs> Work in but of progress. Course,
1: uh, of course, I recognize that uh, you and your listeners might might suspect. If I knew, I couldn't
0: tell you. So I'm telling you, I'm a hundred percent believer. We just got to find the evidence. We just got to find it, Lori. It's so great to talk to you. The book is Escaping Gravity: My Quest to Transform NASA and Launch a New Space Age. You can find her online, at LoriGarver.com. Lori, it's an honor to talk to you. We got to get you back on and talk again soon. Thanks, Andy. Bye-bye. Appreciate that very much. All right. We'll take a break here, wrap up the show, get your thoughts on that and more when we come back for a Monday's episode of The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. The Voice of Reason
1: with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy
0: Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the Millennial Generation 1. Radio listener at a time on all of our stations. Again, Lori Garver coming on the show. Fascinating conversation. I absolutely love that one. I need to get her back on. Maybe we should get some current individuals from NASA on the program as well she brought up some really interesting points relating obviously a government entity and the politics that goes into the government entity to not allow it to run as efficient look there should be no question that we should have a bipartisanship it's not about politics it's about humanity let's uh, let's understand The universe around us. Why is that such a complicated thing to do? And I love the fact that, you know, obviously she had worked under the Obama administration and kind of clarified a little bit more on what the quote unquote defunding of NASA was like and the lack of defunding and and where we were. But just trying to work in tandem with the private sector. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm all about the private sector. I, I mean, obviously, the private sector should be doing the heavy lifting as well because we are free market, lazy, fair capitalist individuals where the government shouldn't be doing certain things. However, I think whether you want to put it under the label of foreign policy, <laughs> whether it's under uh, security, domestic or foreign, that I think that there should be a NASA. And I think that should be something, in my personal humble opinion, is something that we should invest in, not just for the po- politics of it, of the duty of government, but for like the role of humanity to understand to try to expand it the the last frontier that is space trying to understand what's going on out there and the fact that it gets so politicized as well why can't we just understand hey let's figure out what the heck's going on out there because when we do have sightings of let's say let's go down the weird road for a second weird news of the day and just for a second, let's talk about UFOs and whether they are uh, whether they are from Earth, whether they are from ETs out there, something that's going on. Let's understand it. Let's understand the black matter of the universe that supposedly holds everything together. Let's under, that's not a political thing. But you know why it turns political is because if they start to understand these things, if they understand the quote-unquote God particle that is out there, the black matter of the universe that holds all matter together, that is quote-unquote the God particle is what they call it. Uh, and we can get into the religious or spiritual aspect of that, if they are able to understand it and harness it, then guess what the elites like to do? They like to control it. Why not? And that's why it's so dangerous to have elites actually running these things, and that's why working in tandem with the private sector holds the public sector accountable for what they're doing to where we can actually have these things Uh, The understanding of it for the consumer and not just for the elites higher up, because if that were the case, we would never know anything. We'd still be in the dark ages and they'd be controlling everything and they'd be a thousand years advanced in technology and we'd still be out there riding horseback and buggies. Because that's the way that the elites like it. And in fact, that's what they're trying to do to us. Is it not the Democrats, progressives? Yes, I'm going to pick on you for a second because you guys you know, kind of need it. You want us to go back to the horse and buggy with this outrageous, absurd claims about climate change and man-made climate change that's destroying the earth where you don't want us to drive in vehicles. You don't want us to be in the industrial age. You don't want us to actually manufacture everything. You want us living in the woods all by ourselves, which honestly, again, rounding out to the beginning of the show, I'm okay with living that way, but that's not the way that you advance society. You advance society by making things better, more efficient. If you understand the dark energy of the universe, and the dark matters of the universe, then you could actually have energy run efficiently and not have to burn coal. We're all about advancement here. We're about making things run smoother and more efficient, but you can't profit off of that unless you understand it and control it and harness it for us. And that's where it all comes down. And the politics with NASA and the politics with the space age. No, we don't want this. We want women or don't want women in there. No, we don't want to look at this. No, we don't want to research that. Why? Why not? That is what makes us humans is the curiosity, trying to figure out the world around us, and you guys try to stifle that at every step of the way, and it's very frustrating. Uh, let's stop funding ridiculous social programs just to take care of those where they could be taking care of themselves, like a student loan forgiveness program, and let's start investing it in places where we can actually help humanity by understanding what's going on out there to where we can make energy that's cost-efficient where you don't even have to charge for it. But in that case, again, there you go. All the special interest groups of the Democrat side and even the Republican side would go away because then they would be unnecessary and that would destruct the entire system of what they have. I saw some of the other comments about um, the other theories about space and you know what I'm all about that. One of these days, we usually don't do it on this program because this program's more politically oriented, but one of these days we'll go down that road of conspiracy theories of space and the moon landings and some of those. I don't go down that road because I find them quite intriguing. And some people would just be like, Andy, you're a nut. But, hey, you know what? It's a fun conversation nonetheless. This week, we got a lot of stuff to get to, so we'll talk about it tomorrow. Tomorrow, I want to ask you the question, are you living paycheck to paycheck, and has it gotten better year over year or even month over month? As according to the Biden administration, there are less people living paycheck to paycheck month to month from June to July. Is that true, and what changed? 'Cause I don't believe it. Until then be your own voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.